thank you so much for being here this morning and joining with us in Bethlehem. Today we begin the season of Advent and we are preparing our hearts to celebrate that the creator of the whole universe came to us and was born under a star that he had created. Think of it, at the very moment that God flung the whole world into existence, the whole universe into existence, he knew the precise moment that he would enter in and come to us as a baby in the manger to save us because he had marked it in the stars from before time. You have seen the Bethlehem star this morning and it was the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus, spoiler alert for those of you who didn't go in there, but that's exactly what was going on, in a way that they amplified each other's light in a, like they had never seen before. The folks of that time, they had great night vision because the only light that they had was like lamplight, that was it. Um, and it, at night, they would often sleep on their rooftops and so they knew what was going on in the stars. And this was the brightest one they had ever seen. He left signs in order for you to find him. It was the sign that it was time. Advent means coming, it means arrival. And we prepare our hearts for the incarnation, the arrival of God coming to us in many ways. And just like that night over 2,000 years ago, it seems God comes on our darkest days. Bernard of Clairvaux, the 12th century abbot and theologian, wrote eloquently about the fact that there are three Advents. First of all, the incarnation, the Advent, God coming, arriving to us at Christmas. And last of all, the parousia, the final coming, when he comes back on that last day at the end of the age. And that's the subject of Matthew's reading. But the second or middle Advent, the one that happens in between, is that every day, arrival of Jesus, whether that is the still small voice that comes to you in prayer or as you read scripture, or the hungry mother that you seek to serve at Minnie's food pantry, or a weary refugee, the elderly shut-in who needs a space heater, or your own child with their need. In other words, Jesus comes to us again and again and again, a thousand swords remade into a thousand plowshares, as Isaiah tells us. Isaiah tells us of the new era of God's shalom is dawning even now. Its glimmer appears in unexpected places and at unexpected hours, like a thief in the night, as Matthew tells us. Matthew tells us even the sun doesn't know what, what is the time of his arrival on that last day. But in Romans, Paul writes to us about the second or the middle advent, the everyday arrival of Jesus when he comes to us. And he says, you know what time it is. It is time to awake from sleep. He says that it's time for change. With beautiful imagery of darkness and light, Paul makes his appeal for moral change, from evil to good. But most of us don't think of ourselves that way, right? I don't, I don't have a whole lot of evil to put off, I don't think. He uses imagery of changing clothes. Here, he describes it as armor. But it was a common metaphor for their age to talk about changing clothes, taking off one thing and putting on something else, to talk about taking off our vices and putting on our virtues. But Paul goes a step further. He doesn't just want you to change your clothes and put on something more appropriate the way that we all put on costumes this morning. We'll take these costumes off at the end of the day, but not until after we take a group photo, okay? <laughs> 
So seriously, right afterwards, we're going to do a group photo. We're going to try to get a drone launched. Um, if it's not too windy out there, and take a photo outside. But if not, we're going to line up in here. Okay, mental note. We will take off these costumes at the end of the day, and we'll change back. We keep our old identity. But Paul says in verse 14 that what he wants you to do is more than just changing your clothes. He wants you to put on Christ. He wants you to take on a whole new identity of the son of man and of God. Be clothed in Christ is a clear image of being in Christ. And what does that mean in Romans? The words just before our passage tell us. It says, love is the fulfillment of the law. It says all the commandments are summed up in this word, love. So love your neighbor as yourself. Just like Jesus comes to us in the incarnation and puts on flesh is how it's described in scripture. God put on flesh so that he could become one of us. We are supposed to put on Christ. Become him. Put on love. This is not a pretending, but another incarnation. We, in the midst of the darkest times, at the darkest hour, we are to be signs of love. We are to embody hope for one another. Has anyone ever done that for you? Entered in on your darkest day, in the midst of your despair, and reminded you to have hope. Hope that God is going to show up. We all need signs of his coming. God is the one who was and is and is to come. He has a habit of showing up, but he often shows up in unexpected places at unexpected times. People don't usually tell you their stories of their darkest hour and how God shows up, and it's hard to put into words. When I think back on my life, God was usually the still, small voice that came in the darkness or came as I was reading scripture. Usually as I poured out my heart in prayer, a Bible verse would come to mind. And it sounds flat if I just tell you what it is that I heard. You'd be like, well, yeah, I read that passage too, you know. It doesn't convey the power that surged through me when that word of hope was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. Like one time, I thought about quitting basic training, and I was up in the middle of the night on guard duty, and what the Lord said to me was, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. And so I didn't quit. One time when I felt that my marriage was threatened, he said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power from Ephesians 6. And it talks about putting on the armor of God. And so I did, and I was strong. One time my son was suffering terribly, and I had no idea until I was standing in front of a stained glass window and God whispered to me, behold your son. And it was a stained glass window depicting the Pieta, Mary holding the son, son's body. Behold your son. And so light began to illumine my mind and I began to pay attention and things got better from there. But there are many times light has shown in the darkness for me in his word, but sometimes I get to witness his believers shine. And it's beautiful. I've heard recently a story of a, a deacon who happens to live down near San Antonio. She figured out that the road that she lives on is the path that they take a lot of the immigrants and refugees on buses to go do their trials. And so she made a sign that just said, you are not alone. 
And she stood out there alone, holding up that sign as they drove by, until one by one people began to join her. Are they changing anything? I imagine if I were driving by in my darkest day, in my darkest hour, it would make a change for me. One time about 10 years ago, I was at the hospital, which is a common scene where I often stand with someone in their darkest hour. And this time, I was with a woman that I had known in Bible study for two years, and her name is Rini. She and her husband were both retired. He had been a military pilot, one of the greatest generation. And one day, her husband had a heart attack and a stroke. And she called to ask if I could come and be with them at the hospital. I did the supportive things that I could as we waited to see if he would recover any function at all. And the machines beat, and the respirator inflated and deflated, and we prayed. Rini was too overwhelmed to pray, and so I prayed for her. And I also notified the rest of our Bible study group. They began to show up one by one. And after praying for her husband, we gathered around Rini. Rini was about maybe 90 pounds. She was about three foot something, if I'm being honest. Um, she was quite frail, and you know, she was in her 80s. We gathered around her to pray for her strength. Suddenly, in the middle of our prayer, the leader of our Bible study group is a young woman, and she looked up, and she looked Rini right in the face, and she said in King James English, art thou going to depend on anything else besides me? Am I not enough for you? It was weird, okay, I'm not gonna lie, that was a weird moment. I'd never heard her speak that way before, nor since. Am I not sufficient for thou? Hmm. But that was Rini's language, and Rini looked struck. She knew exactly what was being said, and she opened her purse, and she pulled out a bottle of prescription painkillers and threw them in the trash. Apparently, unknown to us, and for years, she had been wrestling with addiction and she had taken several pills before I had even shown up on the scene that day for her nerves. After we prayed for her, she never took a pill like that again. Her husband made a full recovery, by the way. And I know it doesn't happen that way for everyone, but in Rini's case, that's exactly how it happened, and I saw it with my own eyes, and I saw someone bring hope and light to a situation in a way that set someone free. I don't know what darkness you might be wrestling with in this season, and I pray it's nothing that severe. But I think we can all agree, looking around at our world, that we could use a little bit more light. The good news in our passage is that we get the opportunity to be that light. Let me remind you in this season of darkness, if there's anything that you feel that you need to hide, remember that he came to us as a baby. Not in power and might to judge us, he came gentle and helpless and innocent like a child so that he wouldn't scare us. The good news is that change is possible and change is coming. This is an urgent appeal that Paul makes. He says there isn't much more time left for salvation is nearer to us now than it ever has been before. You know what time it is. It's time to be awake and to be ready. Advent is the church's way of observing and remembering that we believe that God came to us once, God is with us still, and God will come again to set things right. And that knowledge changes us, and that light stays with us. And I promise you, it grows more and more strength as this season of Advent goes on. You may have noticed our, our new Advent wreath, 
we're pretty excited about it. <laughs> we're light one candle this week. Come back each week as we light a new candle, adding more light to the darkness. God has left us signs, whether it's something as steady and constant as the stars in the night sky or the steady and constant light of his believers who wear the armor of light. If you look for them in your darkest hour, you will see them. In the darkness of the world, they shine like stars. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.